Matthew chapter 3, verses 4 through 12, of Catina Aurea, Commentary on the Four Gospels, collected out of the works of the Fathers, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verse 4. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Pseudo Chrysostom. Having said that he is the voice of one crying in the desert, the evangelist well adds, John had his clothing of camel's hair, thus showing what his life was, for he indeed testified of Christ, but his life testified of himself. No one is fit to be another's witness until he has first been his own. Hilary, for the preaching of John, no place more suitable, no clothing more useful, no food more fitted. Jerome, his raiment of camel's hair, not of wool, the one the mark of austerity in dress, the other of delicate luxury. Pseudo Chrysostom. It becomes the servants of God to use a dress not for elegant appearance or for cherishing of the body, but for a covering of the nakedness. Thus John wears a garment not soft and delicate, but hairy, heavy, rough, rather wounding the skin than cherishing it, that even the very clothing of his body told of the virtue of his mind. It was the custom of the Jews to wear girdles of wool, so he desiring something less indulgent or one of skin. Jerome. Food, moreover, suited to a dweller in the desert, no choice viands, but such as satisfied the necessities of the body. Rabanus. Content with poor fare, to wit, small insects and honey gathered from the trunks of trees. In the sayings of Arnulfus, Bishop of Gaul, we find that there was a very small kind of locust in the deserts of Judea, with bodies about the thickness of a finger in short. They are easily taken among the grass, and when cooked in oil, form a poor kind of food. He also relates that in the same desert there is a kind of tree with a large round leaf of the color of milk and taste of honey, so friable as to rub to powder in the hand, and this what is intended by wild honey, rigmig. In this clothing and this poor food, he shows that he sorrows for the sins of the whole human race. Rabanus. His dress and diet express the quality of his inward conversation. His garment was of an austere quality, because he rebukes the sinner's life. Jerome. His girdle of skin, which Elias also bare, is the mark of mortification. Rabban. He ate locusts and honey, because his preaching was sweet to the multitude, but was of a short countenance. And honey has sweetness, locusts a swift flight, but soon fall to the ground. Rigmig. In John, which name is interpreted the grace of God, has figured Christ who brought grace into the world. In his clothing, the Gentile church. Hilary. The preacher of Christ is clad in the skins of unclean beasts to which the Gentiles are compared, and so by the prophet's dress is sanctified whatever in them was useless or unclean. The girdle is a thing of much efficiency to every good work, that we may be girt for every ministry of Christ. For his food are chosen locusts, which fly the face of man and escape from every approach, signifying ourselves who were born away from every word or speech of good by a spontaneous motion of the body, weak in will, barren in works, fretful in speech, 
foreign in abode, are now become the food of the saints, chosen to fill the prophet's desire, furnishing our most sweet food, not from the hives of the law, but from the trunks of wild trees. Verses 5 and 6. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea, and the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Having described the preaching of John, he goes on to say, There went out to him, for his severe life preached yet more loudly in the desert than the voice of his crying. Chrysostom. For it was wonderful to see such fortitude in human body. This it was that chiefly attracted the Jews, seeing in him the great Elias. It also contributed to fill them with wonder that the grace of prophecy had long failed among them, and now seemed to have at length revived. Also the manner of his preaching, being other than that of the old prophets, had much effect. For now they heard not such things as they were wont to hear, such as wars and conquests of the king of Babylon or of Persia, but of heaven and the kingdom there, and the punishment of hell. Gloss. This baptism was only a forerunning of that to come, and did not forgive sins. Rigmig. The baptism of John bear a figure of the catechumens, as children are only catechized, that they may become meat for the sacrament of baptism. So John baptized, that they who were baptized might afterwards, by a holy life, become worthy of coming to Christ's baptism. He baptized in the Jordan, that the door of the kingdom of heaven might be there opened, where an entrance had been given to the children of Israel into the earthly kingdom of promise. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Compared with the holiness of John, who is there that can think himself righteous? As a white garment, if placed near snow, would seem foul by the contrast, so compared with John, every man would seem impure. Therefore they confess their sins. Confession of sin is the testimony of a conscience fearing God. And perfect fear takes away all shame. But there is seen the shame of confession, where there is no fear of the punishment to come. But as shame itself is a heavy punishment, God therefore bids us confess our sins, that we may suffer this shame as punishment. For that itself is a part of the judgment. Rabanus. Rightly are they who are to be baptized said to go out to the prophets, for unless one depart from sin and renounce the pomp of the devil and the temptations of the world, he cannot receive a healing baptism. Rightly also in Jordan which means their descent, because they descended from the pride of life to the humility of an honest confession. Thus early was an example given to them that are to be baptized of confessing their sins and professing amendment. Verses 7 through 10. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Gregory the words of the teachers should be fitted to the quality of the hearers, that in each particular it should agree with itself, 
and yet never depart from the fortress of general edification. Gloss. It was necessary that after the teaching which he used to the common people, the evangelist should give an example of the doctrine he delivered to the more advanced. Therefore, he says, seeing many of the Pharisees, etc. Isid. The Pharisees and Sadducees opposed to one another. Pharisee in the Hebrew signifies divided, because choosing the justification of traditions and observances, they were divided or separated from the people by this righteousness. Sadducee in the Hebrew means just, for these laid claim to be what they were not, denied the resurrection of the body, and taught that the soul perished with the body. They only received the Pentateuch and rejected the prophets. Gloss. When John saw those who seemed to be of great consideration among the Jews come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, etc. Rigmig. The manner of scripture is to give names from the imitation of deeds, according to that of Ezekiel. Thy father was an Amorite. So these from following vipers are called generation of vipers. Pseudochrysostom. As a skilled physician, from the color of the skin infers the sick man's disease, so John understood the evil thoughts of the Pharisees who came to him. They thought, perhaps, we go and confess our sins. He imposes no burden on us. We will be baptized and get indulgence for sin. Fools, if ye have eaten of impurity, must ye not needs take physic? So after confession and baptism, a man needs much diligence to heal the wounds of sin. Therefore, he says, generation of vipers. It is the nature of the viper, as soon as it has bit a man, to fly to the water, which if it cannot find, it straightway dies. So this progeny of vipers, after having committed deadly sin, ran to baptism, that like vipers they might escape death by means of water. Moreover, it is the nature of vipers to burst the insides of their mothers, and so to be born. The Jews, then, are therefore called progeny of vipers, because by their continual persecution of the prophets they had corrupted their mother the synagogue. Also, vipers have a beautiful and speckled outside, but are full of poison within. So these men's countenances wore a holy appearance. Rigmig. When then he asks, Who will show you to flee from the wrath to come? Except God must be understood. Pseudo Chrysostom. Or who hath showed you? Was it Elias? Surely no. Had he taught you, you would not put your trust in water only, but also in good works. He thus speaks. Wash you and be clean. Put your wickedness away from your souls. Learn to do well. Was it then David who says, Thou shalt wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow? Surely not, for he adds immediately, The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit. If then ye had been the disciples of David, ye would have come into baptism with mornings. Rigmig. But if we read, shall show, in the future, this is the meaning. What teacher, what preacher, shall be able to give you such counsel, as that ye may escape the wrath of everlasting damnation? Augustine. God is described in Scripture from some likeness of effects, not from being subject to any weakness, as being angry, and yet is he never moved by any passion. The word wrath is applied to the effects of his vengeance, not that God suffers any disturbing affection. Gloss. If then ye would escape this wrath, bring forth fruits meet for repentance. Gregory. Observe, he says not merely fruits of repentance, 
but fruits meet for repentance. For he who has never fallen into things unlawful is of right allowed the use of all things lawful. But if any hath fallen into sin, he ought so far to put away from him even things lawful, as far as he is conscious of having used unlawful things. It is left then to such man's conscience to seek so much the greater gains of good works by repentance, the greater loss he has brought on himself by sin. The Jews who gloried in their race would not own themselves sinners because they were Abraham's seed. Say not among yourselves, we are Abraham's seed. Chrysostom, he does not forbid them to say they are his, but to trust in that, neglecting virtues of the soul. Pseudo-Chrysostom, what avails noble birth to him whose life is disgraceful? Or, on the other hand, what hurt is a low origin to him who has the luster of virtue? It is fitter that the parents of such a son should rejoice over him than he over his parents. So do not you pride yourselves on having Abraham for your father. Rather blush that you inherit his blood, but not his holiness. He who has no resemblance to his father is possibly the offspring of adultery. These words, then, only exclude boasting on account of birth. Rabanus, Because, as a preacher of truth, he wished to stir them up, to bring forth fruit meet for repentance. He invites them to humility, without which no one can repent. Rigmig. There is a tradition that John preached at that place of the Jordan, where the twelve stones taken from the bed of the river had been set up by the command of God. He might then be pointing to these when he said, Of these stones, Jerome, he intimates God's great power, who, as he made all things out of nothing, can make men out of the hardest stone. Gloss. It is faith's first lesson to believe that God is able to do whatever he will. Chrysostom. That men should be made out of stones is like Isaac coming from Sarah's womb. Look into the rock, says Isaiah whence ye were hewn. Reminding them thus of this prophecy, he shows that it is possible that the like might even now appear. Rabanus. Otherwise the Gentiles may be meant who worshipped stones. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Stone is hard to work, but when wrought to some shape, it loses it not. So the Gentiles were hardly brought to the faith, but once brought, they abide in it forever. Jerome. These stones signify the Gentiles because of their hardness of heart. See Ezekiel. I will take away from you a heart of stone and give you the heart of flesh. Stone is emblematic of hardness, flesh of softness. Robin. Of stones there were sons raised up to Abraham. For as much as the Gentiles, by believing in Christ, who is Abraham's seed, became his sons, to whose seed they were united. Pseudo-Chrysostom. The axe is that most sharp fury of the consummation of all things, that is, to hew down the whole world. But if it be already laid low, how hath it not yet cut down? Because these trees have reason and free power to do good, or leave undone, so that when they see the axe laid to their root, they may fear and bring forth fruit. This denunciation of wrath, then, which is meant by the laying of the axe to the root, 
though it have no effect on the bad, yet will sever the good from the bad. Jerome. Or the preaching of the gospel is meant, as the prophet Jeremiah also compares the word of the Lord to an axe cleaving the rock. Gregory. Or the axe signifies the Redeemer, who, as an axe of haft and blade, so consisting of the divine and human nature, is held by his human, but cuts by his divine nature. And though this axe be laid at the root of the tree, waiting in patience, it is yet seen what it will do. For each obstinate sinner who here neglects the fruit of good works finds the fire of hell ready for him. Observe the axe is laid to the roots, not to the branches, for that when the children of wickedness are removed, the branches only of the unfruitful tree are cut away. But when the whole offspring with their parent is carried off, the unfruitful tree is cut down by the root, and there remain not whence the evil shoots should spring up again. Chrysostom. By saying every, he cuts off all privilege of nobility, as much as to say, Though thou be the son of Abraham, if thou abide fruitless, thou shalt suffer the punishment. Rabanus. There are four sorts of trees, the first totally withered, to which the pagans may be likened, the second green but unfruitful, as the hypocrites, the third green and fruitful, but poisonous, such are heretics, the fourth green and bringing forth good fruit, to which are like the good Catholics. Gregory. Therefore every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit shall be cut down and cast into the fire, because he who here neglects to bring forth the fruit of good works finds a fire in hell prepared for him. Verses 11 and 12. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Gloss. As in the preceding words, John had explained more at length what he had shortly preached in the words, Repent ye. So now follows a more enlargement of those words. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Gregory. John baptizes not with the Spirit but with water, because he had no power to forgive sins. He washes the body with water, but not at the same time the soul with pardon of sin. Chrysostom. For while as yet the sacrifice had not been offered, nor remission of sin sent, nor the Spirit had descended on the water, how could sin be forgiven? But since the Jews never perceived their own sin, and this was the cause of all their evils, John came to bring them to the sense of them by calling them to repentance. Gregory. Why then does he baptize who could not remit sin, but that he may preserve in all things the office of the forerunner? As his birth had preceded Christ's birth, so his baptism should precede the Lord's baptism. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Or John was sent to baptize, that to such as came to his baptism he might announce the presence among them of the Lord in the flesh, as himself testifies in another place, that he might be manifested to Israel. Therefore am I come to baptize with water. Augustine. Or he baptizes because it behooved Christ to be baptized. But if indeed John was sent only to baptize Christ, 
why was not he alone baptized by john because had the lord alone been baptized by john there would not have lacked who should insist that john's baptism was greater than christ's insomuch as christ alone had the merit to be baptized by it rabanus more by the sign of baptism he separates the penitent from the impenitent and directs them to the baptism of christ pseudo chrysostom because then he baptized on account of christ therefore to them who came to him for baptism he preached that christ should come signifying the eminence of his power in the words he who cometh after me is mightier than i Rigmig. there are five points in which christ comes after john his birth preaching baptism death and descent into hell a beautiful expression is that mightier than i because he is mere man the other is god and man robin as though he had said i indeed am mighty to invite to repentance he to forgive sins i to preach the kingdom of heaven he to bestow it i to baptize with water he with the spirit chrysostom when you hear for he is mightier than i do not suppose this to be said by way of comparison for i am not worthy to be numbered among his servants that i might undertake the lowest office hilary leaving to the apostles the glory of bearing about the gospel to whose beautiful feet was due the carrying of the tidings of god's peace pseudo chrysostom or by the feet of christ we may understand christians especially the apostles and other preachers among whom was john the baptist and the shoes are the infirmities with which he loads the preachers these shoes all christ's preachers wear and john also wore them but declares himself unworthy that he might show the grace of christ and be greater than his deserts jerome in the other gospels it is whose shoe latchet i am not worthy to loose here his humility there his ministry is intended christ is the bridegroom and john is not worthy to loose the bridegroom's shoe that his house be not called according to the law of moses and the example of ruth the house of him that hath his shoe loosed pseudo chrysostom then since no one can give a benefit more worthy than he himself is nor to make another what himself is not he adds he shall baptize you with the holy ghost and with fire john who is carnal cannot give spiritual baptism he baptizes with water which is matter so that he baptizes matter with matter christ is spirit because he is god the holy ghost is spirit the soul is spirit so that spirit with spirit baptizes our spirit the baptism of the spirit profits as the spirit enters and embraces the mind and surrounds it as it were with an impregnable wall not suffering fleshly lust to prevail against it it does not indeed prevail that the flesh should not lust but holds the will that it should not consent with it and as christ is judge he baptizes in fire i e temptation mere man cannot baptize in fire he alone is free to tempt who is strong to reward this baptism of tribulation burns up the flesh but it does not generate lust for the flesh does not fear spiritual punishment but only such as is carnal the lord therefore sends carnal tribulation on his servants that the flesh fearing its own pains may not lust after evil 
See then how the spirit drives away lust, and suffers it not to prevail, and the fire burns up its very roots. Jerome. Either the Holy Ghost himself is a fire, as we learn from the Acts, when there sat, as it were, fire on the tongues of the believers. And thus the word of the Lord was fulfilled, who said, I am come to send fire on the earth. I will that it burn. Or we are baptized now with the Spirit, hereafter with fire, as the Apostle speaks, Fire shall try every man's work, of what sort it is. Chrysostom. He does not say, Shall give you the Holy Ghost, but shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost, showing in metaphor the abundance of the grace. This further shows that even under the faith there is need of the will alone for justification, not of labors and toilings. And even as easy a thing as it is to be baptized, even so easy a thing it is to be changed and made better. By fire he signifies the strength of grace, which cannot be overcome, and that it may be understood that he makes his own people at once like to the great and old prophets. Most of the prophetic visions were by fire. Pseudo-Chrysostom. It is plain that the baptism of Christ does not undo the baptism of John, but includes itself in it. He who is baptizing Christ's name has both baptisms, that of water and that of the Spirit. For Christ is Spirit, and hath taken to him the body that he might give both bodily and spiritual baptism. John's baptism does not include in it the baptism of Christ, because the less cannot include the greater. Thus the apostle, having found certain Ephesians baptized with John's baptism, baptized them again in the name of Christ, because they had not been baptized in the Spirit. Thus Christ baptized a second time those who had been baptized by John, as John himself declared he should. I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Spirit. And yet they were not baptized twice but once, for as the baptism of Christ was more than that of John, it was a new one given, not the same repeated. Hilary. He marks the time of our salvation and judgment in the Lord. Those who are baptized in the Holy Ghost, it remains that they be consummated by the fire of judgment. Urbanus. By the fan is signified the separation of a just trial. That it is in the Lord's hand means in his power. As it is written, the Father hath committed all judgment to the Son. Pseudo Chrysostom. The floor is the church. The barn is the kingdom of heaven. The field is the world. The Lord sends forth his apostles and other teachers as reapers to reap all the nations of the earth and gather them into the floor of the church. Here we must be threshed and widowed, for all men are delighted in carnal things as grain delights in the husk. But whoever is faithful and has the marrow of a good heart, as soon as he has a light tribulation, neglecting carnal things, runs to the Lord. But if his faith is feeble, hardly with heavy sorrow, and he who is altogether void of faith, however he may be troubled, passes not over to God. The wheat, when first threshed, lies in one heap with chafe and straw, and is after winnowed to separate it. So the faithful are mixed up in one church with the unfaithful, but the persecution comes as a wind, that, tossed by Christ's fan, they whose hearts were separate before may be also now separated in place. He shall not merely cleanse, but thoroughly cleanse. Therefore the church must needs be tried in many ways till this be accomplished. And first the Jews winnowed it, then the Gentiles, now the heretics, 
and after a time shall Antichrist thoroughly winnow it. For as when the blast is gentle, only the lighter chafe is carried off, but the heavier remains, so a slight wind of temptation carries off the worst characters only. But should a greater storm arise, even those who seem steadfast will depart. There is need, then, of heavier persecution that the church should be cleansed. Rigmig. This is floor to wit the church, the Lord cleanses in this life, both when by the sentence of the priests the bad are put out of the church, and when they are cut off by death. Robin. The cleansing of the floor will then be finally accomplished when the Son of Man shall send his angels and shall gather all offenses out of his kingdom. Gregory. After the threshing is finished in this life, in which the grain now groans under the burden of the chaff, the fan of the last judgment shall so separate between them that neither shall any chaff pass into the granary, nor shall the grain fall into the fire which consumes the chaff. Hilary, the wheat, i.e. the full and perfect fruit of the believer, he declares shall be laid up in heavenly barns. By the chaff he means the emptiness of the unfruitful. Rabban, there is this difference between the chaff and the tares. The chaff is produced of the same seed as the wheat, but the tares from one of another kind. The chaff, therefore, are those who enjoy the sacraments of the faith, but are not solid. The tares are those who in profession, as well as in works, are separated from the lot of the good. Rigmig. The unquenchable fire is the punishment of eternal damnation, either because it never totally destroys or consumes those it has once seized on, but torments them eternally, or to distinguish it from purgatorial fire, which is kindled for a time and again extinguished. Augustine. If any asks which were the actual words spoken by John, whether those reported by Matthew or by Luke or by Mark, it may be shown that there is no difficulty here to him who rightly understands that the sense is essential to our knowledge of the truth, but the words indifferent. And it is clear we ought not to deem any testimony false because the same fact is related by several persons who were present in different words in different ways. Whoever thinks that the evangelists might have been so inspired by the Holy Ghost that they should have differed among themselves, neither in the choice nor the number, nor the order of their words, he does not see that by how much the authority of the evangelists is preeminent. So much the more is to be by them established the veracity of other men in the same circumstances but the discrepancy may seem to be in the thing and not only in words between i am not worthy to bear his shoes and to loose his shoe latchet which of these two expressions did john use he who has reported the very words will seem to have spoken truth he who has given other words though he have not hid or been forgetful yet has he said one thing for another but the evangelists should be clear of every kind of falseness, not only that of lying, but also that of forgetfulness. If then this discrepancy be important, we may suppose John to have used both expressions, either at different times or both at the same time. But if he only meant to express the Lord's greatness in his own humility, whether he used one or the other, the sense is preserved, though anyone should in his own words repeat the same profession of humility using the figure of the shoes. Their will and intention does not differ. This, then, is a useful rule, and one to be remembered, that it is no lie, 
when one fairly represents his meaning whose speech one is recounting though one uses other words if only one shows our meaning to be the same with his thus understood it is a wholesome direction that we are to inquire only after the meaning of the speaker end of matthew chapter three verses four through twelve